All right, it's good to be here. I want you to turn to three places in your Bible. John 14, Acts 4, <clears throat> and 1 Timothy 2.5. John 14, Acts 4, 1 Timothy 2.5. All right, John 14. Look at verse 6. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All right, Acts 4, verse 12. Acts 4, look at verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And finally, 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I want to preach to you this morning on the exclusiveness of Christianity, the exclusiveness of Christianity. Now, you hear a lot of talk in the media about three monotheist religious traditions, three-face, one God, three Abrahamic religions, or the Abrahamic faith communities. It is a commonly held belief that Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all worship the same God, the God of Abraham. They just go about it in different ways, but they all worship the same God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, let me begin with some questions about Christianity and the Christ of Christianity. Is Christianity the only true religion? In what way is it the only true religion? Why is it the only true religion? How do you know it's the only true religion? Are you sure it's the only true religion? Is it right that Christianity is the only true religion? What happens to those who don't believe that Christianity is the only true religion? Do you understand all that is implied by Christianity being the only true religion? All right, next set of questions. Is Jesus Christ the only way to God? In what way is He the only way to God? Why is He the only way to God? How do you know He's the only way to God? Are you sure He's the only way to God? Is it right that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? What happens to those who don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? Do you understand all that is implied by Christ being the only way to God? Now, let me continue by making some dogmatic statements about Christianity and the Christ of Christianity. Christianity is an exclusive religion. Christianity is the only true religion. 
Christianity has a monopoly on truth. The Christian Bible is the only absolute truth. All religions aside from Christianity are a lie. The God of Christianity is the one and only true God. The gods of non-Christian religions are false gods. Salvation is restricted only to Christians. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. You are either a Christian or you are not. You are either in Christ or you're in Adam. So the exclusivist says that there's only one religion with only one Savior and that the only way to get to God is by explicit faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what are some contrary views? The atheist says, there is no God. Christ was not a Savior. There's no such thing as sin. No one needs to be saved. The agnostic says, we just don't know whether there's a God. Whether Christ was a Savior. Whether there's any such thing as sin. Or whether man needs to be saved. The skeptic says, how do you know there's a God? How do you know Christ was a Savior? How do you know there's a such thing as sin? How do you know man needs to be saved? The religionist says that a man can be saved by keeping the tenets of his religion. The irreligionist says that a man can be saved by pleasing his God without any religion. The inclusivist says that although salvation is ultimately through Christ, God must make salvation available to everyone in any religion and can save men without them personally accepting Christ or knowing about Him. The particularist says that although salvation is ultimately through Christ, God can reveal Himself to the unevangelized and save them apart from faith in Christ. The evidentialist says that men are not saved apart from explicit faith in Jesus Christ, except perhaps in very special circumstances. The exceptionalist says that men are not saved apart from explicit faith in Jesus Christ, with the exception of Jews, who can be saved by virtue of the Abrahamic covenant and keeping the Mosaic law. The pluralist says that men can be saved through any number of different religions and saviors. There's truth in all religions. Christianity is just one religion. Christ is just one savior. The postmortemist says that everyone who has not heard the gospel in this life will be presented with the gospel after death and get a second chance. The restorationist says that those who die without being saved go through a period of purging after which they are fit to be saved. The annihilist says that those who die without being saved will be destroyed by God and cease to exist. And finally, the universalist says 
that everyone who has ever lived will eventually be saved. Now, I am an exclusivist. You should be an exclusivist. Why? The Bible is an exclusivist book. What were the verses we looked at this morning? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Amen. So the Bible is an exclusivist book. Bible believers are exclusivists, or at least they should be. Our God is an exclusivist God. The Bible says He's a jealous God. He won't give His glory to another. If you're not an exclusivist, your argument's not with me. Your argument is with God and His Word. Now, it doesn't matter if these contrary views I mentioned sound good, sound reasonable, or sound logical. They are false in the light of the Word of God. I want you to look at seven things this morning that relate to exclusivism. All right, first of all, Ephesians 2.1. Turn to Ephesians 2.1. Man's need. Man's need. Seven things that relate to exclusivism. Ephesians 2.1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Men have a great need. And it's not for a living wage. It's not for income equality. It's not for a higher standard of living. It's not for access to affordable health care. It's not for affirmative action or free college education or social justice or equal opportunity or more government aid. That's not what man's need really is. All men are lost. They're dead in sin. They're blind. They are, as Paul says in Titus 3.3, 3, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. In fact, man's condition is so bad that all his righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Isaiah 64.6. So because God is holy... Man is an enemy of God, Romans 5.10. Man is at enmity with God, Ephesians 2.15. And man is alienated from God, Ephesians 4.18. So clearly, man needs to be saved. If he doesn't, then there is no need for an exclusive religion. Or any religion. All right, Job chapter 9, number 2. Man's predicament. Job 9, look at verse 2. Job 9, look at verse 2. I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? Because of their spiritual condition, all men have a huge problem. That's right. There's nothing they can do to deserve salvation. 
gain salvation, earn salvation, merit salvation, or contribute in any way to their salvation. The Bible says that salvation is by grace, Ephesians 2.8. It is by mercy, Titus 3.5. It is not of works, Ephesians 2.9. It's not by works of righteousness, Titus 3.5. It's to him that worketh not, but believeth, Romans 4.5. It is a gift by grace, Romans 5.15. It's a free gift, Romans 5.18. It's through faith and not of ourselves, Ephesians 2.8. And it's through faith which is in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 3.15. So clearly, man can't do anything to save himself. If he can, there is no need for an exclusive religion or any religion. All right, number three, turn to 2 Corinthians. God's provision. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 21. God's provision. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Because of man's condition, because of man's need, because of man's inability, because of man's predicament, God has made provision for men to be saved. Amen. Christ died for our sins, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Christ is the propitiation for our sins, 1 John 2, 2. Christ gave himself for our sins, Galatians 1, 4. Christ gave his life a ransom, Mark 10, 45. Christ laid down his life for us, 1 John 3, 16. Christ took away the sins of the world, John 1, 29. Christ bare our sins in his own body, 1 Peter 2.24. Christ also hath once suffered for sins, 1 Peter 3.18. Christ gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, Ephesians 5.25. This is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. This is why Luke said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is why Paul said, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So there is only one Savior. There is only one atonement for sin. Christ made one sacrifice for sins forever. Ephesians, uh, or Hebrews 10.12 It is up to men to accept God's provision. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. John 1, 12. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16, 31. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. John 10, 9. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. John 8, 24. So clearly... Man cannot get to God on his own. That's right. 
If he can, there is no need for an exclusive religion or any religion. All right, number four, turn to Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, look at verse 27. God's judgment. Hebrews 9, look at verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I believe it was Ben Franklin who said, nothing is certain but death and taxes. But he got it wrong. Due to our progressive tax system and generous low-income tax credits, many Americans don't pay any taxes. At least they don't pay any income tax. They might even get money back they didn't even pay in. So what Franklin should have said is nothing is certain but death and judgment. God is not going to send His Son to suffer, bleed, and die for the sins of the world and then not hold men accountable when they reject Him. The judgment of God is not to condemn the sinner, but to confirm His condemnation. John 3.18 He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So when death comes, you're either already saved or lost. You're already in Christ or in Adam. You're a child of God or a child of the devil. You're either clothed with Christ's righteousness or your own righteousness. You're either in the book of life or you're not in the book of life. After you die, there's not some scale, and here's your good, and here's your bad, and then you find out. That's right. You're one or the other right now. Now, God accepts no excuses. A man's ignorance, a man's opportunity, a man's culture, his nationality, his religion, his upbringing, his socioeconomic status, none of that is any excuse with God. So clearly... God will judge those that reject His salvation. If not, there is no need for an exclusive religion or any religion. Number five, turn to 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2, look at verse 9. God's punishment. Number five, God's punishment. 2 Peter 2.9 The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God's a holy God. He must punish sin. He must be just while being the justifier. You either accept the punishment that Christ took on your behalf, or you take it yourself in hell. There is no second chance after death. There is no purgatory. There is no annihilation. There is no reincarnation. There's no avoiding the judgment because you had your body cremated. No one can pray for you after you're dead. There's no such thing as nothingness. The grave is not the end. It's actually just the beginning. It's the beginning of either eternal conscious bliss 
or eternal conscious torment. The Bible says when Jesus Christ returns to earth, he will come with flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. The Bible says at the last judgment, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell shows just what a serious offense it is to reject God's Son as the exclusive way to God. So clearly, God will punish sin. If not, then there is no need for an exclusive religion or any religion. Number six, Matthew 28. Turn to Matthew 28. Number six, man's doubts. Man's doubts. Matthew 28, look at verse 17. Matthew 28, 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now, Men have doubts about hell. Some people are willing to accept God's judgment and punishment, but they will not accept the doctrine of hell. So you have a lot of false ideas about hell. Maybe you've heard people say these things. Good people don't go to hell. Religious people don't go to hell. Only people like Hitler and Stalin go to hell. Hell is not literal fire. A loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. Hell is not everlasting. Hell is just separation from God. There is no such thing as hell. Those are things you might hear people say. I've I've heard probably all of those. Hell is always the sticking point, isn't it? If you get rid of the doctrine of hell, People won't care if you say Christianity is the only true religion. They won't care if you say Christ is the only Savior. They won't care if you say there's only one way to God. Now, people also have doubts about exclusiveness. Some people are willing to accept a literal fiery hell. But then they reject the exclusiveness of Christ and Christianity because they don't want anyone to actually go there. So people reason this way. They say, there can't be just one true religion. People say, there can't be just one Savior. People say, there can't be just one way to God. People say, there can't be just one way to be saved. People say, don't we all worship the same God? People say, don't all religious roads lead to God? Now, the only thing worse than preaching on exclusivism is being so dogmatic about it. How dare you say you're right and everyone else is wrong? That's what some people think or say. If you just allowed for some exceptions, people wouldn't mind so much. Now, there are some genuine concerns that men have that I want to briefly address. What about those who've never heard the gospel? They need to hear it. 
What about those who've never heard the name of Jesus? They need to hear it. What about the heathen in deepest, darkest Africa? They need a missionary to go tell them. Maybe one of you. Maybe God will call one of you to go to deepest, darkest Africa. I know a preacher who pastored a church in Indiana who gave up the pastorate and went to Vietnam as a missionary. He's been there 20 years. Mike Roberts is his name. What about the love of God, people say? Well, that's easy. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. What about the mercy of God, people say? Uh, Theologian Clark Pinnock says there's a wideness in God's mercy. So therefore, everyone must be presented with the opportunity to be saved. But you know, this error leads him to also say that hell does not entail everlasting conscious punishment. The wicked will eventually be annihilated and cease to exist. The lost can exercise saving faith not in Christ. And that the unevangelized will have a chance to respond to the gospel after death. Contrary to Hebrews 9.27. What about infants and imbeciles? That's a genuine concern people have. And I would simply say this. God doesn't hold anyone personally responsible who is incapable of being saved. There is a difference between spiritual inability and physical inability. When David's infant son died, what did David say? He said he would go to him. 2 Samuel 12. Now, above all, we should remember the words of Abraham in Genesis 18. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Whatever God does is the right thing. It's the moral thing. It's the holy thing. It's the just thing. Whatever he does. All right, number seven. Turn to Romans 9.22. The implications of exclusivism. Romans 9.22. Now, I'm not taking this verse out of context because I'm only taking the first three words. The implications of exclusivism. Romans 9.22. What if God... What if God has only one true religion? What if God has only one Savior? What if God has only one plan of salvation? What are the implications of these things? Well, first of all, concerning religion. If someone is a Buddhist, he's lost. If someone is a Shintoist, he's lost. If someone's a Muslim, he's lost. If someone is an animist, he's lost. If someone is a Confucian, he's lost. If someone is a Rastafarian, he's lost. If someone is a Jew, he's lost. If someone is a Baha'i, then he's lost. If someone's a Scientologist, he's lost. If someone is a Taoist, he's lost. If someone is a Jainist, he's lost. If someone is a Ski, He's lost. If someone is a Zoroastrian, he's lost. If someone's a Hindu, he's lost. If someone's a Christian, he's saved. 
So what this means is that most of the world is lost. The first implication of exclusivism as concern, concerning religion is that most of the world is lost. All right, concerning evangelism. The implications of exclusivism concerning evangelism. Exclusivism is the basis of evangelism. If Christianity is not the only true religion, if Christ is not the only Savior, if there's not just one way to God, why bother to evangelize? Why witness? Why pass out tracts? Why give your testimony? Who cares? What does it matter? What do you have to offer anyone if he can get to God without explicit faith in Jesus Christ? All right, concerning missions. What are the implications of exclusivism concerning missions? Exclusivism is the foundation for missions. If Christianity is not the only true religion, if Christ is not the only Savior, and there's not just one way to God, why bother to send out missionaries? Why spend all that money to support a family on a foreign field? Why should a missionary give up the comforts of America and endure hardship on the mission field if God's going to save through their religion those who've never heard the gospel or never heard the name of Jesus Christ? And, and that brings up another point. Missionaries that don't preach the gospel are wasting their life and Americans' money. If they're just going over there to build orphanages, orphanages and feed people and they're not preaching the gospel, they're wasting money that's supporting them and they're wasting their life. That's right. All right, concerning pride, what are the implications of exclusivism concerning pride? We should be full of humility, thankfulness, gratitude and appreciation that God allowed us to hear the truth and be saved. There is no pride or arrogance in exclusivism. How could there be? We're saved by grace, through faith in Christ, based on what He did on Calvary for us. We didn't do anything to merit our salvation. We didn't do anything to deserve to even hear the gospel. Alright? Concerning responsibility. What are the implications of exclusivism concerning responsibility? We are told to go and teach all nations. Matthew 28. We are told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16. We are told that we are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5. We sing, bring them in. We sing, rescue the perishing. We sing, send the light. I don't know of a greater responsibility in the world than to make Christ known. Amen. Do you? All right, in conclusion, I began with a series of questions, and I want to end with a series of questions. Number one, are you lost? Now, this message was about salvation, but it was not a salvation message. But perhaps someone came in here and is lost. I don't know anybody in here except the pastor and his wife and my wife. I don't know anybody. You may be a first-time visitor. You may be lost. If so, if you're lost, then I'm here to tell you you're dead in sin. You can't do anything to save yourself. That Christ made an atonement for your sin. That someday you'll stand before God and be judged. 
that hell is real, hot, and everlasting, and that God's answer to all your objections is the same. His answer is, ye must be born again, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. All right, my second question, are you saved? This message was about Christianity, but it was not designed to get you to ask yourself if you are a Christian. But that's not a bad idea to ask yourself, am I really a Christian? Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved. Multitudes of Americans think they are Christians because they go to church, because they were baptized, because they put money in the offering plate, because they do good works. So what are you trusting? Are you trusting the finished work of Christ on the cross? All right, third question. Are you an exclusivist? This message was about the exclusivism of Christianity. So let me ask you some questions. Do you believe that Christianity is the truth and that all other religions are a lie? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's only appointed Savior? Do you believe that faith in Jesus Christ alone is the only way to God? Do you believe that a person must explicitly trust Jesus Christ for salvation? Do you believe that all men are eternally lost without salvation through Christ? If you answered no to any of those five questions, your answer is based on emotion, it's based on ignorance, or maybe some misunderstanding. It is not based on the Word of God. Amen. Why is that? Because Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's because neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And it's because there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Amen. Pastor Alton.